so good evening good morning good afternoon wherever you are and today i'm joined with fpl march stupies uh fellow friend from fpl usa and also a big spurs fan uh so we'll just deep dive into everything spurs in this stream and take your questions at the end uh so firstly hey masterpiece how do you feel uh, for the new season and how was your break hey this is shikar aka fpl masterpiece uh, it's my pleasure to join my friend Nihans to have an all first table talk um excited is the word that i would like to use for us next season because for the first time you know we have something to look forward to we're probably going to lose games and concede goals like usual, but hey, at least we're going to enjoy us playing, you know, attacking football, high press, you know, scoring a lot of goals. Uh, so we'll see. It should be a fun journey, you know. Not a lot of expectations, not a lot of pressure. Um, we can talk True. about it more. True. I mean, it's, I see a level of optimism in all Spurs fans going into the season, which is a breath of fresh air from the past few seasons. And really excited on how Ange is changing uh, how football is played at Spurs. So let's just deep dive into uh, what you think about Ange Paul and our upcoming season. So the thing... So the things that we'll talk about today would just be a basic rundown of what the last season was like for Spurs, uh, just some transfer market incomings, uh, how the preseason went, a, a bit of a deep dive into how the fixtures look from the game week one to game week eight uh, fixture block. Also, a, a little bit of an analysis and deep dive into how Ange Ball is looking like and what can we expect from Spurs this season. Uh, predicted lineup and what are the best picks according to Shakar uh, are from Spurs. So let's first dive into some key stats. Uh, last season, 70 goals, fifth highest in the league. But on the flip side, conceded 63 goals, which was like the sixth worst in the league. So uh, what, what do you think about, about those stats? Like, was it solely on how the system was or was there something lacking defensively according to you we just don't have good defenders i mean that's the truth um we've been using the same guys the same setup um since 2017 or 2018. we've needed improvements in the back there has been many managers asking and talking about that but it just hasn't happened um, I think the only good defender that we've had in recent years has been Christian Romero. Um, but he's, he's been out with injuries here and there. And he's just one person. We need more. Especially, you know, in contest, contest system, he was playing with five defenders. And um, it was just Romero trying to pick up the slack for everybody else. And a lot of times you see him get into crash tackles or get sent off. Um, but the reason why we considered goals because you know we didn't have the right personnel. I think the combination of the system changing this year and also getting some reinforcements, which you can talk about uh, in the next few yeah. slides. Um, Absolutely. Also, I, I would also put it down to Romero being the leader and just being a little hot-headed, getting sent off in like bigger games. So that could also be like one of the things is that you didn't have like a stable defense like going into the season. And when you're dealing with Eric Dyer all the time, it's not a good ask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, it's always a point of contention amongst uh, Spurs, uh, Spurs fan base about Romero because you, you do see that in him. He's always, you know, taking those, uh, make, making those challenges and tackles that could be unnecessary. I think a lot of it is frustration because... You know, in Argentina, he has more support. You don't see him do that as much as he does with Spurs. On our side, when you play alongside, you know, players who are not at the same level, um, it, you know, could be frustrating. And especially, you know, if you're being pressed against, if you're down, if you're under pressure, so you're more likely to make those mistakes. True. I'm going to think it will be different this year. Maybe you'll see the same Romero making challenges, but I think he's going to be less hot-headed and be more composed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope so. I mean, that he's a he's he's the leader of the defense as, as of now, so he needs to take that responsibility up and you know, be the the man who sets the example on the pitch. 
also a uh, few think like you know harry kane ended up as the second highest goal scorer in europe uh, and he was kind of on the crux of leaving the club uh, what do you think about harry kane's last season uh, <laughs> i mean last season phenomenal like always um he's in my biased opinion he's one of the most complete strikers of our you know of our time um he's um, you know magnificent goal scorer on one hand but also his ball distribution and ability to you know uh you know change the outcome of the game just with the ball at his feet anywhere on the field is just amazing i don't think i've ever seen any number nines in my time as complete as he is um so in contest system you know he was just the man everything was going through him all of the chances that were creating whatever that was you know it was all pointing toward kane at the end and he was always there um kane had more injuries um earlier on you know in his mid 20s uh, last season i think he played every game um no injuries he's just becoming smarter and smarter with his body yeah um, i think messi later on in the, in the later years he learned how to press more smartly instead of just pressing and pressing i think kane is at that stage of his life uh, to learn uh, to listen to his body and know when to press and when to not push himself over uh, to avoid injuries so just being there and having this in- increased minutes is helping him a lot and you know you saw that he was always present uh, scoring absolutely goals. absolutely i mean he he's managed his, his uh, injuries a lo- lot better in in the last two seasons actually the, the season before also i don't remember him out for a very very long time but last season for sure he was like completely available which is very good for for spurs uh, like whatever position that was achieved was largely down to his contributions i mean 30 goals in a season that's massive and also finishing as your top assister so that's that's another thing of another part of his game that's why i take classes and stats with a grain of salt because it's not going to stay the same it's just the whole system is changing um absolutely we should not be a one man team anymore um, so absolutely i hope see. so too <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to our next uh, slide that is the transfer window how do you think your transfer window was this season uh, arrivals of madison vicario solomon and udogi it started very well because we as a team uh, as a club we always do the business late which is very frustrating because you want to be serious in the transfer window and get all the players you want early on so the manager can you know adapt into the team and etc um this year to my surprise we got madison and vicario and um solomon and even i mean udogi is just an incoming we bought him last last year and he just came back from loan I mean, you know, the key guys that we needed was the replacement for Loris because one, he's you know aging, and two, his style of play doesn't fit an attacking and high press and short passing type of uh, system any longer. So we needed a backup goal, goal goalkeeper. We tried to get Raya. There was a lot of conversations, and then immediately you know died down because they're asking for a lot of money instead of stalling these conversations for the whole summer, which you know something Spurs would have done historically. True. We were just like, nah, we're not doing this anymore. Let's just go somewhere else. And then the choice was for Vicario, just for his ability uh, to play with his feet. Um, I'm excited. It's been going well. We also, what's not shown on your list, um, we announced the signing of Mickey Van de Ven. Um, he's the central uh, back defender. He's very pacey uh, from Ajax, played in Germany one year. Looking forward to him playing alongside Romero. We also got yeah. a young striker from... uh Argentina I it will be lying to you if I could pronounce his name correctly so I'm going to <laughs> avoid embarrassing myself but you know it's typical Spurs uh you know business we get uh a young player every year or every two years and hope it works um which basically gambling money away in my opinion I hope there is more to this year because I learned and they were talking about taking a more data centric approach uh mm-hmm. to the transfer window which is very exciting mm-hmm. to see finally you know it's 2030 oh. uh, 2023 and should have happened long time ago um so Absolutely. we'll see i'm i'm looking forward to all of it you know it should be fun 
Um, yeah, especially like for when you mentioned the young player policy, it, it was also Decky was one of them, right? When when he came when he came over, so that kind of worked out. So I hope this new new kid that you have right now works out in the future for sure. Yeah. and especially Vicario as well. It was a it was much needed signing over Laurie's aging and mm-hmm. missing easy. Yeah, so there were like a lot of uh, easy goals that were let in, which is kind of uh, detrimental to what Spurs ended up with because his positioning wasn't the best throughout the season as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, Vicario is a is a good upgrade on him, and he has a good Serie A record behind his back. Yeah, and let's not forget Madison. I think he is one of the most underrated transfers in the window. I'm not saying that because I'm a Spurs fan. Um, in our perspective, we, we always had to rely on Kane to draw back and do any sort of playmaking and distribution. He, he doesn't need to do that anymore because we have a great player in Madison who can do all of that. And he was, you know, the main guy for Leicester City for couple of seasons and to get him you know under the radar like that I, I was pretty impressive I'm very happy to watch him play which I'm guessing we're going to talk about him more in the, uh, sure. the slides yeah sure sure so let's move on to our next slide that is our preseasons. uh so what do you think about this preseason form uh so far uh, West Ham lost by three goals to Lion City Sailors one by five five goals to one Shakhtar Donetsk six goals to one today there was the Barcelona game I think which was yeah. like four two Correct. and yes. the lesser game was washed out completely mm-hmm. so uh, it was a little bit disappointing in the beginning because you know we needed game time and the Leicester game got cancelled um, so you know we were we had the new manager and you know it was a couple of weeks we're only like one game in against West Ham and we were playing against this team that nobody has ever heard of Lions City Sailors such a, <laughs> such a bizarre name um, all the respect to them but um, Not for sure. yeah so it, it was good to see the team you know we had expectations uh, for Ange Ball you know we, we've seen him uh, before with Celtics um, we we had some data on what he was going to do and just seeing those couple of games, you know, kind of a replica to his system with Celtics. So this is good. This is refreshing, uh, promising signs. What's unique about those games? Um, I read some statistic before the Barstone game. I think we had over a hundred shots or something crazy yeah. like that, yeah. um, which is magnificent. I'm, I'm probably exaggerating here, but it felt like last year in total, we had a hundred shots you know, over the whole season. It was just Kane taking a shot and scoring some crazy mind-blowing goal. And Absolutely. That was our whole season. Everybody complaining about how, you know, we're taking two chances and still somehow managing to draw or win a game. I think it's going to be very different this year. Um, we're going to have Honestly, a lot of opportunities. Uh-huh. Go no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was saying, we're going to have a lot of opportunities. We're going to concede a lot of chances, take a lot of shots, and concede a lot of shots as well. So it will be a roller coaster every game. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just gonna mention like last last season. I remember was watching Spurs games were like literally watching slow burners. You have to like actually grind through most of the games. But whenever I've, I've whatever I've caught of preseason with Spurs has been exciting. So as as a neutral as well, uh, I, I I'm looking forward to their season and want to see how and does it over a season. Is this just a few games for now? And how does it sustain over the season? Yep. So speaking of that, let's just move into our first eight fixtures. And what do you think about the first eight fixtures uh, for Spurs? I mean, just ignoring the teams you're seeing there. I, I'm i in the boat of uh, giving Ange some time. Um, I think it's good that we're not in Europe because mm-hmm. we're changing our style of play completely. So, you know, not having the pressure of Europe is good. It's mm-hmm. good that, in a way, it's good that we finished, what was it, eighth or something like that last year. Um, so the expectation of, you know, maintaining your previous year's record, um, that's also not as much pressure. Cool. Um, to completely implement philosophy, um, I just wish we had... Uh, the defenders they needed to 
complemented system. That's really the issue that I'm talking that, that that's of concern here. Um, mm -hmm. That would probably hurt us, especially the first two games because Brentford away and Man United are really tough fixtures. Um, you know, we're probably going to be, I'm guessing he's going to start our new center back, Mickey Van de Ven. I'm just going to call him Mickey just for the sake of, you know, shorter name. Um, he's going to start Mickey and Romero um, in the back, but we've not seen him play together all preseason. So now you're hoping that, you know, they um, have suddenly gel together. Exactly, have Absolutely. the chemistry and gel together. So, you know, you're just crossing a lot of fingers to make it work, which is frustrating. I mean, obviously, there are big frustrating pieces, all the all the rumors and discussions about Kane staying, Kane going. Um, you know, it's affecting us as fans, but I'm sure it's affecting the team as well. You know, think, put yourself in Kane's shoes or Richarlison's shoes. You know, he's wondering if he's going to be the starting number nine for the team this year, or, or is he going to be the backup again? Kane, you know, is he going to be moving to Germany or not? So, I mean, I know they're professionals and, you know, they're used to this type of pressure, but, you know, there is a human aspect to them as well, right? So all of this, uh, this big cloud is over our head and wish it gets resolved. I'm really happy and proud that Kane took a stance and he said, hey, if we're not going to resolve this by the, you know, by the first game, then I'm going to stay, you know, which is great because we could have repeated a similar situation to Bale, um, you know, was, was it about 10 years ago? Yeah. They left for Real Madrid, you know, it lingered until the very last day or two days of a transfer window. Very frustrating, you know, and we're already I mean, into the season. Absolutely. I mean, and then leaves you with little to no time to get a replacement in. So it's, that was really good on Kane's part to like actually commit to the club if, if it's not happening. It's it's not happening. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think we'll struggle the first two games. Uh would be surprised if you get much out of it. I'm sure we're going to create chances. It's just um, conceding opportunities and goals. That's the key concern. I'm going to talk about the Barcelona game, for example, in a bit, uh, once we talk about Angel, but that was a good example of, you know, how if you're the better team throughout the game, but still the final score is 4-2, you know. Um, yeah. But the game streets, uh, you know, Bournemouth, uh, Burnley and Sheffield, you know, it's a good break for us to um you know, to be able to catch our, our breath. I'm not going to say they're easy games. They're all difficult fixtures. Um, you know, game of three and four goes away. Um, for us to be able to implement our philosophy fully, I think it's going to take take some time. I, when, you know, when, when we got Ainge, I, I was going to give him until uh, the end of this year uh, for him to be able to completely implement his philosophy. So as a fan, I don't have a lot of expectations for us to, you know, produce results. There's going to be goals, but we're probably not going to get as many points in the league table. No yeah. I mean, it makes sense to to set like realistic expectations than to like set a bar too high and then expecting him to cross that over. Any any team for any philosophy to be implemented takes some time. So yeah, I completely understand from your point of view. But if you're looking for it, it like. Uh, from an attacking point of view, I don't think so. Any any game should be a very difficult game because the way Ange is operating these days, it's like if you score three goals, I'm going to try and outscore you. I'm going to get the fourth goal. So, so from from an attacking point of view, I think all games should be fine, especially when when you are past the second game week after United. Uh, even Arsenal looked kind of porous against uh, City in the Community Shield game. And Liverpool is as open as we know it to be. Like speaking from from a very Liverpool point, fan point of view, I know how open we are. So it's going to be a cracking game over there. It's it's literally going to be club ball versus Ange ball with having the same philosophy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of 80 to 90 percent sure we're losing the Arsenal game away because uh, of our record, you know, in their stadium. Yeah mainly yeah. and also being new um, but the Liverpool game should be more entertaining you know you're you're having two attacking teams going at each, each other so I'm excited to see how that pans out at least I'm going to enjoy the game you know even if we lose that's what I missed about perfect. Spurs last couple of years you know yeah perfect perfect yeah I know I, I get it from a from a person who's gone through Mourinho Nuno and Conte <laughs> yes this is a breath of fresh air Oh man, the club owed us a lot of a lot of therapy, you know, for those years. Um, they should offer free therapy sessions for all of the fan base. Uh, <laughs> not fun. Absolutely. Uh, so let's move on to the 
the so-called Ange Paul and what you think about it and what what do you think your formation is going to be like and a basic deep dive into what Ange uh, expects out of the team. Yeah, so I mean, on paper when you see it, it, it looks like a 4-3-3, but that changes a lot uh, throughout the game, um, which I think you're going to show me an expected lineup and we can talk about that more. But the whole philosophy is keep attacking, you know? Um, don't be afraid of taking risks. There's there are some clips from today's game against Barcelona that was circulating on Twitter where you know we're playing out of the back and you know Barcelona just being Barcelona, they're a high pressing team, you know, attacking and they're pressing on us and you know we, we kept passing the ball in the back and we managed to create an opportunity from there, which was very telling for you know where we will be going uh, this year. Essentially you know, you have two center backs and then the the, the right back and the left back uh, join the number six, the central uh, uh, midfield defender. Um, so that's Bisuma in that case. He should be the, the starter. And on the right, we're, we're going to have Poro. And then on the left, we have Midogi join him um, in the attacking phase. And then in front, there's the two number eights, which is Madison on the left. And then you would probably have uh, somebody like Saar or Skip start in that position. I know there's a lot of people wanting to have Los Celso start. I'll talk about that later why that may not make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then very wide, you know, to open up the field, you would have Son on the left side and then uh, Kulusevski on the right side and then the number nine, which should be either Kane or Charleston, uh, depending on how, um, you know, the whole Baron thing pans out. Now, when we are, uh, when we don't have the ball, the way it goes, you know, Madison joins the attack. So him and Ken are pressing up front. So it kind of switches to a 4-4-2. Um, you know, it's, it's really a risky type of setup because you're committing everybody forward. And mm-hmm. that's basically the, the, the style that Ange is going for. You know, there's, there's been some instances in the friendlies where he's getting frustrated as if, at his players for not being as risky as he wants them to be which is a complete 180 from Conte and the previous managers, you know. We're now just trying to, you know, recycle the ball in the back and, you know, play a, a conservative type of style where we're trying not to give the ball away. Instead, we want to create as many opportunities and as many chances. And, you know, whether that's taking a shot from outside of the box, whether that's, you know, making risky through passes, some of them are going to go through, we're going to lose possession. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch. Um, What's noteworthy is our number eight. You know, this is this is where it gets fun. The number eight in the 43 formation on the left side right now it's Madison. He's he's kind of a hybrid between a nine and a half to kind of a ten and a half. Uh, so what what he does, he joins the attack. You always see him in the box. Sometimes drops back, uh, gets the ball. So either crossing that in or taking a shot from outside or you know through pass in. You know, a little similar to how uh, De Bruyne plays at, at City, mm-hmm. or even to mm-hmm. a certain extent Odegaard at Arsenal. You know, you know those those roles where you know, kind of essentially everything goes through them for True. Uh, making magic happen in the team. I think that's going to be Madison, which is why he's a very very important piece, and making it even more more of an important signing, which I think we'll all be talking about him uh, more as the season passes. Um, and then the other number eight in the team. Uh, he has more defensive duties, so he tends to drop right. back further, uh, which is why even though a lot of people want to sell so to start, because he's been amazing this uh, preseason, even today against Barcelona, uh, you, you, you're seeing glimpses of greatness. Um, and there's a good reason why managers like Xavi or you know even Unai Emery from um, Aston Villa won't sign him. You know, he's, he's really good. I mean, he won the World Cup with Argentina, right? He's, he's, He's a starter for them for a reason because he's great. We just didn't have the right setup for him before, so he just didn't fit in our team. I think this year it's going to be different. I'm very excited to have you know two players in Lucilso and Madison competing for one position. If you want to be risky, you will see them both start at the same time, and then uh, it's going to be madness. You know, chaos is going to happen end to end of the field. Um, what do you think the most about important piece? I'm yeah. sorry, the most important yeah, piece is really Bisuma. You know. We, we signed him from Brighton, such an underrated player as well in the back. Um, Conte never played him because he it didn't fit his archaic style of football um, with having, you know, two 
type of very odd dynamic number sixes in his 3-4-3 setup. Um, and, and Angel's system is, is getting this creative freedom to both uh, attack and defend. Um, so it's kind of a maestro from the back. Um, I think it's a great piece to the system. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely see more of them as, the, as time passes. Absolutely. What do you think about uh, Ndomle? What happened to him? Like, I saw him start a few preseason games and then just faded out of the team because he was very well priced and could be that 4.5 asset which could start games and give you an odd point here or there. So, what, what happened with Ndomle? I, that's a good question. Um, so, what happened early on when everybody got back from vacation? Um, again, the frustration was first. We didn't have any uh, many friendlies lined up. So it was a lot of, you know, 11 v 11 internally. Mm-hmm. And from the reports, we were seeing that Ndombele was starting with the first 11. So he was the second number eight beside Madison and playing in front of Bisuma in the fourth district formation. But he got injured. And after that, I think a combination of maybe his attitude, there has always been issues about him. Um, and then seeing how Los Celso is doing, I guess we just realized there's no space for him in the team. And also, oh. it's such a bad business, you know, getting getting him for the price we got him for. And he also makes 200k a week. He's the highest earning player in Spurs beside Kane. Him and Kane both make 200k a week. You know, I don't care about salaries and stuff like that, but you know, the the the, the wage structure. Is, First, not you know, it's not the same as City or United. You know, it's all below. So he is supposed to be contributing Kane level type of uh, performance uh, for us, um, but <laughs> but he's just sitting at the bench. So there's there's not a lot of uh, reason to keep him, especially this season with us only playing in the Premier League and you know expect Madison and Osilso to switch positions. So. I think that's probably one of the reasons. Just financially, it makes more sense to let him go, and we have mm-hmm. better suited players for the formation. And when you talk about uh, your your left back situation, uh, what would be like? What do you think about Udogi in that role? And do you think he actually has competition in the team? He is very talented and very young. I think he is going to start. So far. Uh, we've seen great performances in the preseason games. Now, as season starts, you know, playing in the Premier League for the first time, it could be a different story. But up to this point, up to now, um, I think he's shown a lot of signs of uh, uh, potential for a really great left back, especially in, in the inverted role where you're trying to occupy the spaces in the middle. So the whole idea mm-hmm. of the Angel system is you're occupying all the spaces in the middle so you can... Uh, pass the ball quickly and, and you know um, get forward as fast as possible uh, so you know you can press on the other team um, he's been fitting that role even better than Pedro Poro so I think it's more nailed as a as a as a fullback compared to Poro his competition so far is Ben Davis and uh, Sergio Regulon um, because Perisic I think is going to be rotating with Son at, mm-hmm. at the in the left uh, wing position so I heard reports yesterday that Region is going to be, he's been listed for sale, he's going to transfer mm-hmm. out. So the only other guy that could be, you know, competing with him is Ben Davis, which Ben, you know, he's a great defender, but for an attacking style of play, I don't think there is much competition there. Unless, you know, he makes a lot of mistakes, which, you know, knowing that we know to this point, I don't expect that to happen, but, you know, things may change. Got it. Got it, got it. Because I heard like a few comments from Ange stating that Davis is a really good defender. So that just put a doubt in my mind. Just to get a better understanding from your perspective. So I just wanted to put that out. So thanks for explaining yeah. that to us. Appreciate yeah, I mean, that. Davis has, has, has always been a, a player that's liked by all managers because, you know, we brought him in you know, as a backup left back for Daniel Rose a um, long time ago. I don't even know how long it's been. And ever since, he's occupied the left back role. He's always showed up. I mean, he's playing to his level, right? Um, it's, it's his potential. Like he's always given his 110%. Um, and, you know, we switched his position to uh, 
a center back, you know, back four at some point in time under Mourinho. And then when Conte came, he became a left center back, you know, back five. And then now, and, you know, because he didn't have any defenders, he played him as center back and as a left back. So just the sacrifices that he makes as a player makes him really more desirable and just always giving it his best. But in terms of quality, I think as long as Sudogi is fit, um, I think he's going to be starting most Got games. It. Got it. And one one more question for you in terms of the wingers. So you mentioned that uh, Son and uh, Kulisevsky are for the width uh, of the team. So do you think they would be involved more into the game? Would, would they be any, anywhere close to the goal or are they going to just be hugging the touchline and, you know, be not be those FPL assets that we're looking at who are like scoring goals or cutting inside and taking those shots. So what do you think about your wing, winger situation as of now? Um, so this is a great question. Um, so I don't think we have enough data to make, a, make an informed statement about this yet because so far, um, you know, the games that we've played, it's only been halves. So, except the Shakhtar game, um, we've not seen enough to make a decision, mainly because in Angel's previous teams, um, the wingbacks have been more involved on attack in front. But so far, with Stone's position, for example, um, we've seen him play more wide, which could also be a function of Stone readapting to a new style of play. Because mm-hmm. under Conte, he was really occupying the half spaces up front versus going all the way wide. Um, in Angel's previous systems, he always has two wingers. One of them is really good at 101s at taking on the defenders, and the other one is good at you know cutting inside and you know taking a shot. Um, the data that we have is all of the wingers that he's had starting, they contribute to goals and assists. This is what we know for sure. Now, mm-hmm. whether how long it's going to take for Son and Kulusevsky to adapt or whether they're going to adapt at all, that's a different question because Son and Kulusevsky are a little similar stylistically. They both like cutting in and just taking that shot versus you know being the dribbling uh, guy getting past the defender. Because, for example, in our side, we have Solomon, who's more of the one-on-one. Uh, taking mm-hmm. on the defender type of guy, always given the, the defense an issue. Um, so we're, we're yet to find out. I think as time passes, you know, you, you'll see the team um, adapt better to Angel's system. You know, just we need to see more minutes. Uh, for an FPL perspective, I wouldn't go with the wingers yet for that reason. Um, because, for example, as I was watching the game today, and again, this is you know, a result of previous games. Uh, Perisic playing as the left winger, he's been playing really, really well. Like he had an assist today. And he also contributed significantly to even to Spurs' first goal by passing the ball to Reguillon, who crossed it inside and eventually led to the goal. And then the second goal was just him crossing uh, for Skip to hit it in. You know, he knows what to do in that role. Perisic, you know, knows when to cross the ball versus uh, when to, you know, take on the defender and possibly, you know, make a different decision versus someone who's really used to cutting in and uh, taking the shot score. So short answer, uh, long, long answer to your question, but shortly, it's really, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that yet. We just need to see the team play more minutes uh, to have a yeah. decision. Yes, it's as of now, it's just a wait and watch and let's see if, what, if we have more data on it and what we can see in 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 games and then make a decision on who's who's the one that's going to keep with and who's the one that's cutting in so yeah thanks for your insight on on angeball and we appreciate this a lot uh i just had one final question for you what do you think about the change in your goalkeeper and uh, the playing out from the back. So is that the thing that is contributing towards uh, the defense being leaky, or is that like a, a, a like an accumulation of many other factors? You mean in the past uh, the issues you've had? Yeah, I mean it was Lorius being unable to, you know, play with his feet well was one of the reasons. Because when we have the ball, teams 
got you know used to just pressing our guys and eventually when the ball goes to Loris, it's the same as having the ball back to the other team because mm-hmm. he would pass it to the first available guy and without accounting for you know the you know how much pressure is on him or not and you know just be a bad phase of play or trying to have a long ball to to the next available guy which you know seven out of ten times it would not be complete um so we needed to change that if we're going to be playing under pressure from the back we needed to have a goalkeeper who's really comfortable with his feet and it seems like vicario is fitting that role very well he may not be as great of a shot stopper as Doris, but Angel's philosophy is simply like this. If you attack, you don't need to defend. That's the whole idea. You know, I don't need to have my goalkeepers, you know, saving shots, which is, you know, what we know about Ederson. Yeah. He gets a lot of clean sheets because even though he doesn't, uh, you know, save anything because, you know, he doesn't need to defend. City doesn't need to defend, you know. Absolutely. I, I could kind of make the same argument about Arsenal as well, Ramsdale. Like, sometimes he makes really great saves, but he also... Has an error. Yeah, if I was an Arsenal fan, I would be a little scared, you know, sometimes with him because you never know what's going to happen. Um, but again, he's getting clean sheets for the same reason because Arsenal keeps True. attacking and they don't let the other team, you know, have an opportunity. True. So, Rockman will be the same case for us. Um, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I, I mean, to, from from a defensive point of view, for sure, the extra cent- the new centre back should help out. Uh, and hopefully the the partnership develops and there is a better understanding between them and the goalkeeper and then you know things just might just turn around so yeah completely looking forward to the new season and how how Ange ball is going to be played out mm-hmm. let's just move on to the predicted lineup this is solely a predicted lineup from our team we do not exactly know so that's why we all have you on board and we just want you to run through this and what do you think would be the changes if any in this uh, in this level and do you think uh, that can be an upgrade in any position uh, out of this uh, 11 as of now so one so i mean goalkeeper is fine Pedro Poor on the right Romero right center back all good Yudoki left uh, left uh, back also good um Ben Davis, 30% chance he may start. I think we may go with Mickey, um, our new center back. Mm-hmm. Um, just more better profile for our angel system. Um, up top, starting with the attackers, um, I think those three look fine to me. Personal feeling, uh, I've been feeling this way most of the summer. I think Kane is staying. Um, I was more 50-50 recently, but the latest development is pointing toward you know the direction that is more likely to stay. He seems to be happy with the direction that the club is going. And if I put myself in his shoes, I would feel the same way. You know, um, we For had sure. these high-profile managers in the past, which was just um, you know blockbuster names, didn't really contribute much to the team. And he's a smart guy; he knows you know where we're going. So. Um, we'll see, it may change, I could be wrong, but I think those three will be the attacking lineup uh, come Brentford game. In the middle, um, Bissouma number six in the middle, I think that's kind of guaranteed unless an injury or something happens. Madison on the left, that's almost guaranteed. Um, there is no way we're not starting Madison unless uh, something is happening. On the right, that's the question mark. I, I don't think... Um, anybody has a great idea i was following some spurs accounts uh tweeting you know you know asking people what their expected lineup is and i think there's a complete divide um on expectations on who that's going to be some people are saying it's going to be skip others are saying it's going to be sar some people are hoping it's going to be Celso just because he's a really good player mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i think in my opinion that's going to be too risky uh, and then there is also some saying he may play Hoiberg as number six in the middle and then move Bisuma to number eight because Bisuma is such a great player. He can fill that role as well. So kind of more protection, which kind of makes sense because if your defensive line is not sorted out, so, you know, you want to provide more protection for Absolutely. Uh, have in the back. Absolutely. I don't think that's going yeah. to happen. No, I don't think that's going to going to happen because Soyberg is just not the same number six profile as Bisuma. My personal opinion is probably going to be Star because he's young. Uh, he's just 
running nonstop and all over the field and pressing and you know short passing. You know he's he has all the attributes we need for that position for the time being. As season passes, that could change. I'm not sure, um, but I think he complements Madison very well because he allows Madison mm-hmm. to go forward mm-hmm. and be on the edge of the penalty box. So what he does, he either goes in to receive the ball and you know have a shot or something or drop out a little bit receive the ball and just be madison who's really great at long shooting um you know if i was the defender against him i'll be scared what he's going to do so both options either you know take a long shot or you know through ball in um, um so that's the whole thing you know just quick short passes uh move the ball quickly and look for a gap and then hit the opposition team. Perfect. Um, oh, so, so that number, second number eight is still up in the air and mm-hmm. we do not exactly know. So, but most of the team is, it's going to be almost similar to what we, what we have over here, except Davis and Mickey moving and then Hoiberg position a little, not too short as of now. So, yeah. It would be interesting. I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead I was go ahead. going to add, it would be very interesting if somehow Lo Celso uh, proves to Ainge that he can fill in the second number eight role on the right, which comes with some defensive duties. If he can prove to the manager that he can fill that role, I think he would be an amazing bargain at five million. Sure. This is his price right now. Um, because what will happen with us, if, you know, you were showing the stats earlier. You know, we scored what 70 goals or something like that, and conceded yep. 63. I'm still expecting us to concede 50 to 60 goals. I think our goal score should go up a little bit. Um, we'll probably score more more goals, but it will be distributed more evenly. You know, you'll see more players on the score sheet, and that means both number eights, both fingers, Kane is going to be on the score sheet. Even our uh, fullbacks, um, because in that system, they're in the midfield and they're always pressing forward as well. Um, so that's what yeah. to keep an eye for. I remember Udogi getting a few goals this preseason as well, right? From 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 defense. So, yeah. And also, like, that just rung a bell with me. I, I used to watch uh, Celtic games, like, whenever they played in the Champions League. And you're kind of right on that. I, I remember them scoring like four goals and each of them was a different scorer. Mm-hmm. So so similar to that, we can expect something uh, at Spurs this season. So if you had to like pinpoint a talisman in the team, like with if Kane stays and if Kane leaves, so who would you point that to be? <laughs> so... Before I give, uh, I just want to say full disclosure. I I am an emotional FPL player with Spurs. Um, there has been many times in the past where I've had Spurs players in my team when I shouldn't have had Spurs players in my team because I enjoy the game more with you know, Spurs. You know, just a big fan. Um, so I just want to point it out. But I'll try to be as an emotional as possible. I think as of now. Uh, regardless if Kane goes or stays, I think Madison is a great pick. He's a safe pick, you know. Um, I know some people are joking about what happens if, you know, the FPL deadline is on Friday, right? You know, and Kane's deadline is on Sunday. What happens if, you know, you get um, Kane in your team or something like that, and then on Saturday Spurs is like, okay, we're going to accept your offer and you leave. So it's a little risky there. And you know, same goes for, for Chalderson. And even if the news says, we may accept Kane's uh, uh, offer from Bayern. That's still, you know, some uncertainty there to get to the final uh, full announcement. Uh, so the point being, no matter the outcome, I think Madison is going to get assists. I think he's going to be on the score sheet as well, um, because he himself is is at each game your team improving and improving more. Because at Leicester, he was the similar to Kane. He was a one-man team. He would get the ball. He would distribute. You know, he would take his time on the ball. You know, and everything would go through him. It's a little different here. Even though he is kind of our main playmaker, we're more looking for a short passing type of game, right? You know, get the ball, one touch, second touch, pass it to the next available uh, player forward. So, you know, the opposition team is always uh, watching their back, you know, for attackers running behind. 
Um, so he's also adapting to the new style, but with that, he's going to learn that he can flourish even more in this new system. So I have high expectations for Madison. I am personally going to start with Madison. Um, I think he's kind of nailed in my team, uh, seeing what I've seen so far. Not just from him, but even when I see Lo Celso playing his role, you can see that a team is putting a lot of weight, a lot of emphasis on that role, you know, for mm -hmm. all the distribution. So we know that a lot is gonna, going to come from them. Now, as time passes, I think we'll realize, you know, his first scoring and a lot of goals and being high on the XG table. I think everybody in the FPL Twitter community is obsessed with XG nowadays. We will see that Spurs is going to be high on the XG table. And obviously, then next question is, well, well, we should get the attacker because the number nine is going to be getting all the opportunities. So if Kane stays, you know, as I was saying earlier, being one of the most complete strikers of our time, um, it's going to be a no-brainer. You know, he, he scored um, a ridiculous number of goals last season in the in Conte's archaic system. Um, could only imagine what he could do this year, you know, in a, in a team that's even creating more chances, uh, giving him more freedom and, you know, kind of lifting the pressure off of his shoulders a little bit because opposition defenders, they're not going to be looking for Kane only mm -hmm. like he used to, they used to before. They have to look for other threats, you know, so it could be the Makes number eights or the wingers. So it will be very interesting. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. I think I'll start Madison. If I get news, you know, 100% that Kane is staying. I think I will set up my team such that starting game week three for the easier fixtures, I will make my way to Kane. If it's Richardson, I think there's a big probability I will have both Richie and um, Madison in my team. I mean, seven million and seven and a half million. Absolutely. Such a no you know, big bargains um, in the game. It's, especially if you have like an out, out of position midfielder starting in the uh most advanced position on the pitch you have to pick him right yeah it's it's a little difficult uh to sell that because you know we have a lot of good midfielders in the game uh, i know some people are obsessed with the six and a half midfielder bracket um which is fair because there is some good picks in there and i have one in my team right now um but then you're looking at the other options you know you have two from man united and then two or three from Arsenal, but you know, setting the Man United guys aside, um, you have um, the one you know from Arsenal. You know, we all have Saka, but the other guy, do we really trust their minutes? Um, can you tell me for sure that whether that's Mark Nilly, Havertz, Trossard, um, to a certain extent, Odegaard as well? You know, are their minutes guaranteed? Mm -hmm. um, they're playing in Europe in Champions League. It's, you know, it's not like last season. Last season they were in. Um, the other European league was the Europa League, whatever that is. I, I always mix up the names. Because um, Arsenal always started their second team in their European competition. Yeah. This year is going to be a little different. Arteta wants to go for both because he has a great squad, good depth. You know, the backup players can play both in the league and Champions League. So I'm personally expecting to see more rotation in Arsenal. So if we put that all together, I could easily make an argument saying, hey, how about we just go for the two guys who are only playing in one competition, which is could be Madison or Charleston. We'll see. see Absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, fatigue management these days is, is a big thing with the amount of games each player is playing. So when, when you have those picks and nailed picks from these teams, which are not going to be as involved in, in Europe uh, uh, and, and a traditional top six team, uh, for that matter, if, if you have those opportunities, you should be going for them whenever you have that chance. So it makes complete sense with your reasoning. So let's just move on to our final slide, which is uh, FPL picks that you expect from Spurs. So it's a basic uh, picks that we we like from Spurs. So I just I just want you to rank them uh, as your top three to pick from uh, from from Spurs uh, or, or and also if possible. I mean, it's difficult to choose between between your picks. But if if you want to pick one player to avoid out of out of your team and one player you have. Uh, like what you see, like a future uh, potential uh, going into the season. So, if you have any any insight on that, you could just share that with us, please. 
Okay. Okay, so the way I would rank this, um, instead of naming a player, it's my expectation is, you know, the position that's going to return the most field points, I think obviously number one will be our number nine, whether that's mm -hmm. Kane or G. If, you know, we see that Kane is staying, she's going to be my pick, or if it's Richardson, then he's, he's going to be my pick. Number two would be Madison, um, just because he's a kind of a guaranteed starter getting points. That's why I have in my team. I think he's going to be on the on the score sheet. Um, and the number three, that's a little more challenging. It could be the wingers, um, you know, as they find the right balance, the right chemistry. Um, but uh, we don't know that for sure. I wouldn't go near the defense yet. I mean, I was tempted myself to go with Pedro Porter because he's very attacking. Um, he kind of fits Ainge's profile of a player because Poro is always risky. He's not afraid to take on uh, the opposition guy or occupying a, a, a spot you wouldn't expect him to be there. Mm -hmm. And you could make the same argument for Udogi, but just because earlier on, you're just going to concede so many goals and you know, you're just relying on, you're losing your expected clean sheet. So you're just relying on that uh, player returning. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see. It, it's kind of a coin flip, honestly. Um, even like, as I said earlier, my preferred one would probably be the third midfielder, which is Boselso, um, if, he, if he gets the position. He's going to be really good in that role. Um, we'll see. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, so let's see if we have any questions which we have not covered. Uh, preferred formation starting 11 we kind of went over this so this was where covered during our discussion uh yogesh is is saying that the nld would be a cracker so he's, he's looking forward to it already it will be fun i i agree <laughs> yogesh i think you know as a Spurs fan, it, it pains me to watch Arsenal play this well, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for Arteta and what he's done and the style of play that he plays. Um, it's been a little sad uh, watching the evolution of both teams in the last five years as a Spurs fan because you've gone up and just gone the opposite direction. Uh, mm. But you know, for the first time in a while, you'll you'll see both teams you know on their front feet from the beginning attacking. Um, so kind of some of the classical North London derbies that we you know used to see many years ago. I think we'll see more of those um, in the coming years. So I'm really looking forward. As I said earlier, away Arsenal. <laughs> uh, if I could put money, I'll put my money on Arsenal winning, uh, given everything that I know. Uh, but hey, it was always written on the on the wall, so that has nothing to do with where we are today. Absolutely. I mean, and especially derby games can go any any way. It's all passion and who wants to win the most on that day. So I, whenever it comes down to derby games, you cannot like actually call it, call it. But as you said, the historical data at at uh, the Emirates is not great for Spurs uh, in, for a very long time. But I think honestly, this this time I think there will be more of a competition than it being you know like park the bus and just wait for that counter to happen. It's going to be more front foot football from both the sides, which is going to be exciting. Yeah, and I agree. The last one that we have over here is from Gabe, uh, FPL Lens, uh, one one of our good friends uh, from NetDad Hall. Uh, he also agrees with you that Madison is nailed in his team and he feels uh, Ange is the next RDZ when it comes to attack and shots. So I think we kind of agree to that as well. That we feel that we're going to uh, uh, expect an attacking and exciting Spurs team in the future, in, in the future coming year, uh, season. Mm -hmm. and exactly right. If, if we have any questions on Twitter, I think we've covered this. We had a question from Black Wolf earlier, and he says that if he, uh, he, he what do you think about Madison if Kane stays uh, than if he leaves? If he does leave, do you still rate Madison as a top pick? But I think you have already covered this one. So we can move on from that. We have a new one. Uh, oh, he's just mentioning that he has Udogi in his team and he expects to bring in Madison. 
So if you had to like prioritize uh, one or asset, you would still go with Madison over over your defense, right? Probably earlier on, but this, I mean, four and a half. If you're setting your expectations right, you know, you're saying my eleventh guy, last defender. You know, I'm not expecting clean sheets, but big upside if they're on the score sheet. So, with that perspective, yeah. And I think he has another question. He's asking if yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, if double Spurs seems reasonable, what do you think on that? Yes, Hadi, I perfectly agree. I think. Um, like I said earlier, we'll be creating a lot of chances. Um, you know, similar how early on, you know, after RDZ, you know, became the manager for Brighton, everybody jumped under assets. You know, there was a good reason because attacking, creating chances, everybody's on the score sheet. So it's going to be a similar story for us. Um, big upside. Um, it's also this also depends on your wildcard plans. You kind of early on, but like I said, the first two games are not easy. So um, and that's really directly a, a comment that's yeah that's next. A, yeah it's perfectly segued into our next comment uh, that says that if game week three would be a wildcard strategy so if if Spurs and Chelsea are doing well that looks like a viable strategy going in right um, so yes uh, great point MC it really depends on your team what you're trying to get out of it um, it could be a great strategy. Um, for me personally, I'm, you know, yet to see the full uh, team chemistry melding because um, playing friendly uh, preseason friendly is not the same as, you know, playing competitive Premier League. Um, I know Absolutely. at the first fine, I'm very excited. Everybody's excited, but it doesn't change the fact that this is Angel's first um, job at this level. He seems to have everything under control, which is really great to see. You know, it makes me feel shared. But even for him, I think there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Um, I'm surprised by how aggressive and attacking we've been um, because it leaves us completely exposed in the back. So whether that stays or not, um, that's yet to be found out. Uh, we, we may find out the first two games, you know, playing Brentford away and United home. Um, being exposed and playing against some of the great attacks um, or transition teams in the league. So is he going to change it? Is he not going to change it? I don't know. Um, we'll find out. Sounds good. Uh, so we have one last comment from Gabe. It says Kane said he plays one game with Spurs that he, that he would finish the season with them. Do you believe that? If so, should we make sacrifices to start game um no as i said it's it's a big possibility that you have kane in your team you know the reporters on twitter are telling you that kane is likely to stay and then somebody at byron wakes up on saturday morning and submits a big offer and spurs accepts the offer even though the deadline has passed, you could have Kane be on the airport instead of playing against Bradford on Sunday. Um, so I wouldn't risk that. If you want my advice, the way I have a setup in my team, uh, for example, I have a, I have Salah in my team. I'm kind of using him as a placeholder the first two game weeks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, game week three, it shouldn't be too difficult to switch things around because there is some fixture turn for both teams. If I see yeah. that Kane is staying, I can easily uh, make the switch happen because I've already allocated the funds for him. I know there's other ways to go that route. It's, it's not the only way. I was talking with some friends, and it's really up to you. So um, it's just a, a little too risky. You know, it, it could have a lot of upside. You know, you could have Kane start and score a hat trick, but you're just dealing yeah. with a lot of risk. I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if it's against Brentford and United, you can just keep those two games and as you said that you have Salah in your team as the placeholder so just a couple of uh, transfers saved and then you can just switch the funds around and still get Kane easily so that makes complete sense and to just hold on to it till the first game weekends and then then we know that Kane should be staying Mm -hmm. so I mean I hope he stays to his words and if he believes that he believes in the system and says true to his word, then he should be available for the entire season then. So 
common consensus on that should be like just wait for game week one and probably game week three is the right time to jump on it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, I don't see anything else and uh, I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us a great insight into Ange Ball. Now we absolutely know uh, the the system and the players a little in, in more depth than compared to what we had an understanding of uh, it before. And uh, to the people who are on the stream, please just hit the like, give us a subscribe and do follow us for more. Also follow uh, FPL uh, Masterpiece uh, on, on, on Twitter. Uh, he's at the rate FPL underscore Masterpiece. So do follow him. He is a great account to interact with. Uh, and give us a follow, give us a like. Uh, if you like our stuff, uh, tune back for more. Uh, we also have uh, team previews coming up uh, for Manchester City tomorrow. So feel free to join them, ask questions. Uh, we will have Alex uh, from Twitter discussing all things Manchester City. So let's hop on, ask any questions. Feel free to be a part of the community. Thank you, Shakar. Appreciate your time and appreciate your insight. Thank you, Nihal. Thank you for having me over and thanks for all the questions. Looking forward to the season. Should be great. Same here, same here. Cheers, man. See you around. Take care.